0: We're starting a series called Harmony, and when we think about that term, harmony, it means to agree, to be in accord, to have some synergy as we're moving together, maybe not at the same beat or the same step, but we're walking together in unity or in harmony. And so we're going to be looking at this over the next three weeks, and we're going to be looking at the three keys to becoming one, because to be in harmony means to become one, you now one uh, in our understanding of who God is, and uh, oneness in our faith and trust in Him, and oneness in our direction that we're moving towards as we be obedient to the call that he's placed on our life and so i just want to talk about those three keys over the next couple of weeks i hope this is a blessing to you i hope that uh, it speaks to your heart uh, and reminds you of the rich blessings that we have in god so let me just take a moment and define that word a little bit it also means harmonious relationships that we are uh, in good standing or harmonious with one another. and Maybe there's been some strained relationships uh, that you've had and uh, I know I've had before and it, and it causes us to not have the effective communication or response with one another that we may have wanted or should have had with one another. It also means to be consistent, that we would be steady and consistent in the things that we do that we would have harmony that things wouldn't be up one day and down the next but that we would have some consistency in our life anybody praying for consistency in your in your life these days amen and so harmony speaks to that but it also speaks to orderly being orderly uh, as the bible says that we would be decent and in order that we would obey God's command and we wouldn't get out of sort and do something that's uncharacteristic of who we are in Christ. And so we just meditate on those words. Also, harmony speaks to music. As we were singing the music today, you, you, you know we all weren't singing in the same tone, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there was some harmony in the room that we were all focused and fixed and had a heart towards him. And there was some simultaneous combination of the tunes that made a sweet, sweet sound in God's ear. And so we can be in harmony in our hearts and the the songs that come out of our spirit towards him. So the purpose of this series is not to just, uh, you know, talk about a feel good thing or be emotional, uh, but that's a part of it. But it's it's about growing together as one in honor for one another, love for one another, and that we unite together with one another. And that's so needed in our city and in our country today. To understand and be encouraged by God's divine process to grow us together no matter what the situation is, no matter what the trial, no matter what the tribulation is, is that we would trust God's divine plan and his process to grow us. This process of harmony is becoming one with God as individuals, as a couple, as a family, as a church, and as a community. So it will require each of us to allow ourselves to have that heartfelt understanding that God has in his perfect plan for us to honor one another, to love one another, and to unite with one another. So we're going to start today looking at that first step of this three-step process. The first one is to honor, learning to show respect. See, when we think about that word honor, the definition of honor means showing respect or having high esteem for someone or something, to show respect. See, honor also has a sense of value, that we would have value that we bestow upon one another, that we see each other with great value, as a great prize. As the Bible says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are made in the image of God. And that we would treasure one another and value one another. That which is valued and esteemed is honored. And so I just want to take a little bit and look at two primary scriptures today as our scripture reference. You know, the Bible says by by two or more witnesses, let everything be established. So we're going to let Paul and Peter establish this for us. So our scripture reference today is Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 10 And 1 Peter 2, verse 17. Let me say that again. Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 10. And 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 17. Would you read with me? In Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 10, it says this. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. And in 1 Peter two seventeen says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts in a mighty way. Remind us of the importance of harmony, Father, of being in agreement of being of one accord, of having harmonious relationships, of being consistent. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts in a mighty way. Lord, we ask you to help us to learn, to show respect, and remind us of what it means to honor you and to honor others. Father, we ask you to speak to our hearts, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Your engrafted word is able to save, deliver, and set free. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. The Bible seeks to give us an understanding of what it means to enhance the reputation of others. That when we are honoring someone, that we don't tear them down, but we lift them up. And if nobody else would say something good about them, we would say something good. If nobody else would applaud what God is doing in and through them, we would. So I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up in a family that, that I loved dearly, and I love my family, but it was a sense of crabs in the bucket. Anybody remember that? That one, as, as one crab tried to get out the bucket, there was always two or three that would pull it back down. And I realized that we spent most of our time trying to best one another. And say things, you know, even though we, I don't even think we realized how negative we were being. And how we were tearing one another down. What I learned in life is that hurting people hurt people. That you're looking for some little bit of a good, but so if you can... Allow yourself to feel better or or, or be higher than the other that seemed to be some good in life. But as time went on, I realized that the way we have great joy, the way we have peace is not to tear somebody down, but to lift them up. Because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and I. He didn't go about telling us all the things that we did wrong. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world. But I came that the world might be saved through me. And if we just resonate and think about that, there are those that come to Christ because of you and I. Because of the words that we speak. The Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. That it can cause to bring death or it can bring life. That it can lift up or it can tear down. But see, sometimes when we think about this idea of honor, there can be some opposing thoughts on this. One reaction may be, but the Bible tells us to honor God. Are we really supposed to honor others? This sounds like idolatry. See, we may have that thought. Another reaction has been that the idea of honoring someone sounds old-fashioned, much like Opening the door for someone sounds old-fashioned. Saying sir and ma'am sounds old-fashioned. Not making your, point, your viewpoint over the relationship sounds old-fashioned. And before we know it, we can say I'm northerners or we don't do it this way and we just forget about caring for others. Esteeming others higher than ourselves. See, the biblical emphasis on honoring others has everything to do with the biblical command to honor God. See, we honor him by honoring others. Because we are his creation. It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter how broken we are. We are created by God. And God says it's wonderfully made. And so we have an opportunity to be used of God to provide that healing ointment, that uplifting sap that impacts others. See, there's an impact of disrespectful behavior too. That can be disrespectful behavior in our homes, in our communities, in our workplace. And disrespectful behavior chills communication and causes collaboration, working together to be hindered. It undercuts individuals' contributions to care for others. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe at your workplace, and it seemed like everything that you said was seemed to be negative? That people looked upon it or, 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 or pushed you down and stifled you for wanting to say anything. It caused you not to want to step out. It creates an unhealthy or hostile environment. It causes some to abandon their profession, to abandon the calling that God has placed on their life. And it ultimately harms others. The disrespect causes the recipient to experience fear and anger and shame and confusion and uncertainty and isolation, self doubt and depression, and a whole host of ailments. We can go on and on in the list, insomnia, fatigue, nausea, hypertension. See, the spirit, the emotional does affect the physical. See, I I believe we agree that it's important to honor one another, would you agree? But how we can be so challenged in this destructive world, in this dog-eat-dog world, anybody ever heard that? how to honor and show respect. See, I believe Paul and Peter gives us four primary areas in these scriptures that we're seeing here of areas of honoring. We see the first one given by Paul. He says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another, esteeming others higher than ourselves. See, that's what brotherly love is that we don't seek equality, that we don't seek to best, but we esteem others higher than ourselves. We prefer their good. And then Peter shares the other three. In 1 Peter 2, 17, he says, honor all men. In other words, honor equally. Don't have preferential treatment. Don't look at the office that someone serves in. Or the, the 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 poor state that someone may be in, but honor equally, care deeply for all men, whether they smell good or not, whether their clothes are tatty or, or brand new, whether they speak with slang or they speak the King's English, honor equally, respect and esteem highly, love the brotherhood. You saying the saints of God love them. Because there's a high calling. There's a great challenge. The great war going on. Love the brotherhood. He goes on to say, fear God. Honor God. Reverence him. See him as highly lifted up and worthy of our honor and our praise. Because if we don't honor God, we won't honor man. And vice versa. He says, honor the king, those in authority. Maybe you've had a boss that you just didn't want to honor. And God is reminding us that it gives him honor when we honor authority. When we allow ourselves to be obedient. We allow ourselves to be under subjection to others. See, there is a process and there is an order to honoring. I want to share that with you today. I want to talk to you about God giving us all the tools that we need to be able to flourish in this area. And how his process is beautiful and how it's wonderful. And it started from the very beginning, from the moment you breathed life. God had a plan so that you would honor him and that you would honor others. And his plan and his process is beautiful. See, it begins and it's, it's establishing the foundation of the institution of the marriage and the family. And this is where we get to work it out. Work out our own soul salvation with fear and trembling. You see, God knows if, 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 if we can't do it amongst the ones we love, we ain't going to do it on the, the ones that we still strained with. So on our learning to show respect, the process starts in the family. Turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse two and three. And it starts from the very beginning as you're being born as a child that this particular aspect speaks to honoring authority in Ephesians six, verse two and three, the treatment of the family as it relates to children. It says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Y'all ever heard that before? we see that word honor right there with thy father and thy mother. The first relationship in our lives are vital. The first opportunity to show honor and respect, to esteem those that have been placed in authority over us. It sets the foundation of how honorable we are with authority, with others, with ourselves, and with relationships if we honor our mother and father. God sees it as great honor towards him. And he says it's the first commandment would promise that he'll bless us, that he'll keep us, that he'll show us him through our father and through our mother. It provides a glimpse into how we will honor and obey God. Because if we can't honor and obey our mother and father, we won't honor and obey God. And so we get this opportunity to work it out as children this honoring authority and maybe we didn't always agree with our parents and, and he you wanted to correct them and you wanted to chastise them and you wanted to you know set it straight and God spoke to our hearts and if we received it he says esteem them highly see i went through this with my father my father the only time i ever saw him was i looked down into his into his coffin before they put him in the grave and i remember saying i hated my father because he had left us in an uncompromising situation. He had been in, uh, enthralled in sin. And there's not a picture that I have that shows me of him and I being together. I felt rejected. I dealt with that year after year after year. And I felt that I wasn't able to get truly too, too, too close to God the way I wanted to, because there was something I was holding on to. He spoke to my heart and he said, there's a divide you can't esteem your earthly father, how are you going to esteem your heavenly father? It wasn't that my, my father had to do everything right. God started showing me that he was a man born unto sin, that he was a broken vessel, that just like you and I, he was shaped in iniquity, and that Jesus Christ came for him also, and that instead of me judging and accusing him, I needed to have compassion and allow my compassion to turn to esteem. And so once I was able to get to that point, there was a breaking away of the heartness in my heart to where God was able to come flooding in. I'm telling you today, saints, if you're holding on with anyone, if you're, if, if you're ill with anyone, get it right with God. Let it go. Because that person is no different than you and I before Christ. It's so important that we honor Our mother and father. And then God gives us an example of how to honor him, honor God in the treatment of our marriage. Many of us that are married, we probably stood before the the clergy and we stood before the altar and there was a few words that we said. Maybe we said something like this. I give you this ring as a symbol of my vow. And with all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. Maybe we used that word. We didn't fully understand what we were saying. Because see, honor is the fuel that runs a healthy marriage and relationship. That we would esteem our spouse higher than ourselves. That we would care for them deeply. That we would be willing to sacrifice ourselves for them. In marriage, harmony matters more than winning. Would you agree? Because you can win the battle and lose the war. And so I just want to give some encouragement and some, some, some information to our husbands and to our wives here. See, to honor the husband, what a man needs is to know that his wife respects him. Respect is a big deal for me, and we don't know why. We don't, you know, God just made us that way. Some, somehow that kind of clicks with us. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 22, it says this. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord that word submit means to surrender to come alongside to give because god has given a responsibility to the man and the woman and that they were given in the garden of eden from the beginning the very beginning god completed a perfect place for man and woman but it was not complete There was still work man and woman was called to and so as the man being responsible to god to now do as god has commanded him it's so important that the wife surrenders gives and comes alongside because they are not two but one to voluntarily surrender or to give yourself to your husband this is the ultimate act of faith and trust in the one that God has entrusted you to. Think about this, daughters of God. God knew the man that he had for you. He spent years planning and working it out and shaping it and getting it ready. And he knew how much of a treasure you are to him. And he didn't, never wanted your bad, but your good. And so he's given that man the awesome responsibility to care for you, to treasure you, to love you. And he says as the gift from him, he asks you to surrender and to trust him and the plan that he has for you. See, as you surrendered to your husband, you surrendered to God as if it was the Lord himself. It demonstrates a level of honor, high esteem that can be given to no other. It's not given to your kids. It's not given to your, to your mom or dad. It's not given to your coworkers. It's only given to your husband as the man of God that God is holding responsible. So the best way for the wife to show honor is by letting her husband lead. Y'all heard that, right? The best way you can show honor. But well, we're going to get to the husbands. Don't go, but. Maybe there's a wife who's going, uh. Hold on. Honor to the wife. What a woman needs is to be protected and loved, to be seen in high esteem by her husband. Ephesians 5, verse 23 through 25 says this, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so we see some things there. We see the husband being the head, but when we look at that word head, what it means is the chief servant. He is not the master. Did y'all hear that? He's not the master. That's not what the scriptures are saying. He's the chief servant that responds and is responsible to the master. And the master of the house is Jesus Christ. But as the head servant of the house, he's charged with being a good steward with the affairs of the master's house. And he takes responsibility for all that occurs, not just some. Not just most but all God is looking at him this position of leadership meant that the leader would be required to give his life for the body that's what Jesus did he's the head and we're the body and he gave his life he was willing to serve us all and just as Christ was willing to serve us all husbands be willing to serve your wife to pour and dote over your wife. There was a lady once, she had see, hadn't seen a friend for about 20 years, and she saw her at a family reunion, and when she saw her friend, she looked at her, and she looked how, how pleasant and how beautiful she looked, and she said, you have a good husband. I can tell he has been sacrificing for you, and he dotes over you. He protects you, and he loves you. The best way for the husband to show honor unto the wife It's by being willing to lead, to be the chief servant of the master's house and be willing to follow the master. It is not your wife's responsibility to lead your family in the way of righteousness. It is yours. Equally to love with deep affection and appreciation as Christ loves us. So did you see the correlation in the two scriptures? The wife would give to her husband, give herself to her husband, and the husband would give himself to the body, would give himself to Christ. There's a giving. There's a mutual submitting. So let me give you an image of this harmony that we see in marriage. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 3. Paul and Peter. Speaking again here, Paul gives us the definition and description of how a husband honors his wife and how a wife honors her husband, but now Peter gives us a description, an image to, to, to put in our mind. In 1 Peter 3, verse 1 through 4, he says this, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be warned by the converse." Conversation of the wives to be in subjection, be surrendered, be submitted, come alongside as that help meet. That also, without the word, you don't have to say it. Don't have to preach to your husband. May be warned by the conversation of the wives. Look at verse 2. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Do they see that you're allowing your conversation to be governed by more than yourself? That you're reverencing God and you're reverencing them. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and, and of the wearing of gold and of the putting on of apparel. Ladies, you are beautiful. But it's not the outward. With that makes you beautiful it's the inward adorning allow yourself to know how beautiful you are and when you have that sweet spirit and that adorning from God it moves your husband it draws him in and all he wants to do is to sacrifice for you but here's the thing that I learned about men: see if, if we are confronted if we are uh, uh, there's an adversary we get adversarial If there's confrontation, we get... You with me a little bit? So Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that that's not the way we should be. And you help us do that. Look at verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, great prize. And that word, quiet spirit, doesn't mean don't say anything. It means how you say it. Are you waiting? on the lord are you surrendered and in subjection to god working in that situation see if you try to force it you mess it up if you try to lead it gets out of order to having credibility through the demonstration of honor and respect to speak for god is something that god has given you when we do it his way with his plan it gives you credibility to speak for god into your husband's life we need for you to speak for God. Let's look at the image of a husband in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So husbands is telling us some things there. You see this, you know, uh, Peter cuts to the chase. He said, let me give the, the men, because they don't read a whole lot, They won't sit still for a whole lot. Let me give them some short, crisp words. Let me lay it out for them. He says, dwell with them according to knowledge. What that means is knowledge from God, not our own knowledge. It means understanding that we take some time and we're patient to understand what's going on. And we're looking deeply at their gifts, talents, and abilities. That we're not dwelling and and, and living with them not knowing all of the treasure that they are. Because what I realize is I can't do the things my wife does. She can sit there with our boys and she can talk with them for three, four, five hours. I'm done about after 30 minutes. And I listen. I'm always listening. I'm listening to the conversations. And I'm, and I, and I'm, and I'm just in awe how she can just weed and navigate through the three hours, four hours. And I look how how she's able to have a listening ear and have compassion. I consider myself to be a compassionate person, but I pale in compassion in comparison to her. And how she thinks through how to care for people. Because I can look at it, I can say, step one, two, three, you know, we can get logical with it, right? And just do this. The boys will have an issue, and I'll say, well, just do this, just do that. When it's deeper. So God is telling us to live with, be in communion with our wives according to understanding the great value that they are, the gifts and the talents and the abilities that they bring, how they complement the plan and the purpose that God has for us, and that we're one together. That if I hurt her, I'm hurting myself. That if I'm heavy-handed with her, I'm heavy-handed with myself. If I judge her, I'm judging myself. It goes on and says, give honor unto the wife. See, once we have the knowledge, the honor can come a little bit easier. When we remind ourselves of the rich blessing that we have, that we esteem them, see them as high value, of how great they are. For years, my wife used to say, well, I'm, you know, she says, well, I'm just a housewife. And we had to walk through that. Oh no, you're not just a housewife. I think about what, where my family would be, where my kids would be if it wasn't. Or her standing in the line, trusting God, and saying, no father, Satan, the devil, you're not coming any farther. And we give honor as unto the weaker vessel. That weaker vessel means that you're not gonna be physically as strong as we are. It doesn't matter what the transsexuals tell you. The fact is, God shaped man different than he shaped woman. That also means That they're going to be compassionate about things. They're going to see things differently. And it's not a weakness, but it's made to complement the oneness and the harmony that God wants to have in us. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, joint heirs, equal. There's no big and little. There's no master and servant. We're all servants of the Most High God. We all belong to the King. And we are joint heirs together of his grace, that your prayers be not hindered. And so, brothers, if you try to make her like you, you're going to mess it up. She doesn't need to be like you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just think about it, right? So when we do this, brothers, we have credibility through the demonstration of honor and respect for our wives to speak to God, see their submission to us gives them credibility to speak for God. Our loving and sacrificing for them and honoring them gives us credibility to speak to, speak to God. That your prayers be not hindered. So we have mutual accountability and mutual responsibility. And as we see the family growing, there is a treatment of the family as parents, and this gives us, as Peter said, honor equally. Anybody ever had kids that were not all the same? They were all different? And maybe your child said it, hurt, said it in bypass. You like so-and-so better than you like me. And so as parents, we are, God tries and works this through us to honor equally. And if God's needed to work with me on this, because so often we can get caught up and we can say, well, this child obeys and this child does everything I want him to do, but this child seems to be rambunctious and wants to just conquer the world and don't want to stop it. God's saying honor. Look at Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse four. It says, and ye fathers, for some reason he he thought to speak to the fathers on this one. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. See, parents showing honor and respect to their kids has an important role to balance the firmness of clearly defined rules with the overwhelming showing of love. And acceptance it's important for us to follow and be obedient and to do, and and to require our children to be obedient but it's so important that we have an overwhelming showing of love and acceptance see I needed to tell myself many times they don't belong to you Jeff, they belong to God, and He's allowed us to be stewards of His great treasure. And so that means that we need to balance the demonstration of of teaching them and requiring them to be obedient with love and acceptance. See, it demonstrates that we understand that the treasure that God has given us when we're good stewards with it. We're to be loving and firm, but more loving then firm acceptance is the key and that we appreciate them and we get an opportunity to be on god's team to develop them and grow them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that they get to know him. Not mom and dad as the chief ruler. Not mom and dad as the master of the universe. Not mom and dad as God, but God himself. And we would nurture them to know Jesus. And we would warn them of the importance of being obedient to him. And so parents, I'm gonna speak strongly to you because this is a part of honoring. When you honor and respect your children, that doesn't mean that you give them everything they want. That doesn't mean you let them make all the decisions. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And so foolishness begets foolishness. I've heard people say many times, this, 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 Child is out of control, and I'd say it within my heart. Sometimes I'd say it out loud. No, they're not. There isn't any wayward children. There's only wayward parents. Children only do what you allow them to do, and they're going to keep pushing that envelope. You have a responsibility by God to give them discipline, to give them instruction, to nurture them into Jesus, and to give them admonition, a strong warning, of God being governor, Lord master of their life. And if we don't do that, we're not honoring them. If we're just wanting them to be our friends, we're not esteeming them highly and seeing them of great value. It's like having a mold that you can mold it in and it can become such a great thing, but you just let it sit there. And it becomes a waste. There was a lady who received a knock on her door. Boom, boom, boom. She opened the door and when she opened the door it was the police officers. The police officer said to her, she said, ma'am, I regret I have to inform you that your son was in a, a drug altercation and a shootout and your son was killed. Her first response was, no, you're not talking about my son. No, that wasn't my son. I raised my son in a good home. He says, ma'am, he was selling drugs. He said, no, I taught my son to do right. He said, ma'am, your son had a gun and he was shooting at the police. And, and, and she said, no, I took my son to church every Sunday. It couldn't have been my son. Police officer stopped and he said, but ma'am, did you ever tell him about Jesus? Did you ever teach him to honor God and to honor others? See, it's not enough just for our kids to do right. The Bible says all righteousness is like filthy, our righteousness is like filthy rags. But Jesus sets the captives free. But Jesus brings life forevermore. But Jesus is the author and the finisher of all things. And then there's the treatment of others, that we lift others, and we esteem others higher than ourselves. Paul said it in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 21. Paul addresses this tenet of honor in every aspect of our lives. Verse 21, he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. See, there is a mutual submission that Christians owe one to another, condescending to bear one another's burdens, not advancing themselves above others, nor demeaning or domineering over one another and giving laws to one another. The mutual surrendering of one another in the fear of the Lord through honor and respect. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse five, Paul says this, Servants be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. We understand that he's speaking at, at that time. They did have slaves, but it was also much of it was bond servants that they would go and they would heart they would make themselves to be a slave to get money. So it's like what we do is work today. Not exactly, but you know, sometimes you feel like you're slaving at work. <laughs> and so it speaks to our heart about even when we're in our workplace, when we're in our community to honor. Don't let it just be lip service. Don't let it be that that, that that we're smiling at work and then when we get home, we're talking about folks and we're saying, I, can't, I hate that place. I can't wait till I, I can leave. You know, 80% of... Americans are looking for the next job. They did a statistic and they they were unsatisfied where they were. See, that's the condition of the heart many times. So how honorable will we be in our affairs, our business transactions, and relationships with others? Will we have integrity in showing honor for others, irrespective of their position or title, irrespective of how they treat us, that we would live a life honorable before God? What does honor look like? In our daily lives, simply showing and demonstrating a level of respect and esteem for others. If we display the kind of honor for our spouses, for our parents, for our children and others that comes from us having the feeling that we are standing in the presence of great value, harmony will grow. That we have those wow moments. I got to talk with Grace the other day and it was a wow moment for me. I got to have dinner with Blake and it was a wow moment for me. That we see others as great value. What we say will be the expressions of love and admiration for one another we will be careful to greet others with respect and appreciation. and we will respond with grace and love in uneasy situations because they come in the saints of God, see the great value of others. Have a harmony. Let it be a great song played in your heart that's an agreement with God and agreement with others, and that we would esteem others better than ourselves. And watch what God. Will do. There was a young man named Captain John Ferrier. Captain Ferrier was a part of what we now call or see as the Blue Angels. He was a part of that flying team on expert Show in 1958. They were at Wright Patterson Airfield. The class of 1959 from West Point was there, all the graduating class, thousands of members from all around the world, including that community that's right next to Wright-Patterson Air Base. They were up in the air, and they were starting their exhibition, and as they were doing the exhibition, they came flying across the field at Patterson Field. And they were all in four planes and they were flying in a straight line. And at a moment that they get to the ground and they lift up, they break into a four-point burst that's called the fleur de lis, a beautiful flower. And Colonel Williams is the leader of it, and he looks off to his right and he sees Captain Ferrier. He's lost control of his plane and is tumbling. And so as he sees the plane tumbling, he gets on the mic and he says, John, eject! John, eject, and all he sees is a puff of smoke coming out of the engine in the back. That was John, because he couldn't reach his speaker. He was holding so tight to the throttle that he was squeezing enough to puff the smoke, to say, I hear you, I don't want to let go. Because John knew if he let go and he ejected, that plane was going to go right into that city and it was going to kill many people. And so John held on to it and one of the neighbors, one of the, the, the community members saw, said he saw John just for a second, look at him as he crashed the plane into the only location and the only field that was next to four houses. He said it was like John was saying, you're going to be okay. I'm not going to let go. See, John was a Christian. On a youth camp camp when he was a teenager, he was given this card. This card stated, God first, others second, me third. John didn't want anyone to die that day. He was willing to make himself third. He was willing to esteem others higher than himself. Would that be us that we would say, I'm third? I'm third. I'm third because God is first. Is he first in your life? Have you trusted in Jesus that you would honor him and allow him to transform your life to honor others? Because Christ did it for you and I. He was willing to go to that cross and to die for all of our sins. And he said, Father, forgive them. He made himself third, creating a harmony, creating peace for us all.